Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Center. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob Biswell. You are so worthy, Jesus. You are so worthy, Jesus. You are so worthy, Jesus. In our circumstances, in our situations, in in our difficulties, one truth remains. You are worthy. You are so worthy. You are so worthy, Jesus. We glorify you this morning, Jesus. We magnify you. I recognize my total and complete dependence on you this morning, Jesus. I thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage. And I thank you, Father, that the anointing that makes preaching easy would be in this room this morning, that I might communicate your heart to your people. That, Father, we might be transformed from glory to glory. That we might walk more fully in your presence and experience more fully your glory. Jesus, we love you. We love you, Father. Amen. You can be seated. Greg, I'm real hot in these these monitors up here. Hallelujah. Well, I want to start this morning by saying how stirred I am for Pastor Mark and Pastor Tammy to be with us in just a month. Um, as Pastor Susanna says, said, he, he was the first one in Fresno uh, to be taken off the ventilator uh, after COVID. 18 days he spent on the ventilator. Um, I mean, just absolutely miraculous. Doctor said complete organ failure. That There was no coming back from it. And uh, now he's preaching, you know. And uh, so actually what's kind of neat is, is Greg and Shelly actually uh, were part of his church in California. Um, and it was Greg's dad who started that church back in the 80s. And so it's just really neat how God connects and puts things into place. And I'm just anticipating that not only will we have a great miracle service, but there will be a word in season for our house as well. If you will, turn in your Bible to Judges chapter 6 this morning. Uh, I spent several weeks um, back in the early part of the year preaching on the life of Gideon, and I want to revisit some things this morning when talking about regaining our faith stance. Last week, I laid the principle that God will bring faith extenders to re-quicken and amplify your faith. So we talked a lot about how God will uh, take you into a moment where you were struggling with faith and give you a moment where all of a sudden that, that struggle disappears because he, he imparts something to you, He speaks to you. And once this incur- occurs, whether that's a word or a picture or a revelation, we talked about how God can speak to you it results in a sense of anticipation. And anticipation is the first great step into faith. And it's a classic example of God doing this for a person in Judges chapter 6. And so we're going to read from verse 1. Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. The power of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves the dens which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For it was when Israel had sown 
that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the sons of the east and go against them. So they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock in their tents. They would come in like locusts for number. Both they and their camels were innumerable. And they came into the land to devastate it. So Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. Now it came about when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord on account of Midian, that the Lord sent a prophet to the sons of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, It was I who brought you up out of Egypt and brought you out from the house of slavery. I delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians and from the hands of all your oppressors and dispossessed them before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not obeyed me. Then the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. Verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Situation was desperate. The nation is completely subjugated by the enemy nations. They are ruling. They've had seven years of failure and fear. And at this point, the future holds no promise. They're struggling. But God always has his answer. And his answer lay in a man who didn't even know that he carried the potential to bring freedom. Gideon is in a wine press, but he's not treading grapes. He's working on the wheat in order to hide it from the enemy. And I talked about when I talked about Gideon, how many times do we hide away with the little bit that we have left and we just steward just a little bit? We're not going to be bold. We're not going to fight. We're just going to hide away in our place of safety. And Gideon himself is full of fear and hopelessness and God shows up to him. How would you attempt to inspire a person full of unbelief? If you had to sit across from someone today and minister to them in their unbelief and in their fear, how would you do it? I think sometimes people say things like, it's all right, Jesus loves you. Well, dear, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. Well, you know, the Lord never leaves or forsakes His children. You're a child of God. How many of us have ever heard these things before? Well, you know what the Bible says, just seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Well, you just need to remember God is good all the time and all the time God is good. The Word works if you work the Word. All those things. And how do we come away? Sick from the religiosity of it all. Because it doesn't actually minister to us. It actually reveals that when we give those types of religious responses, our own insecurity and our own faith and our own fear that God won't come through for us. So therefore, I have to, to placate other people through religious statements. Because that truth isn't really settled into me. I don't actually believe it because if I believed it, I could have a word of the Lord for the person. And so you come away sickened by it. And to make matters worse, I imagine given the opportunity, someone even discussed the deep meaning behind all the problems. Well, you've had a bad week. Well, let's try and find the root source of it. You know, 13 generations ago, your grandma told a lie. And that's why you're suffering all these things today. So you need to repent upon your, your, your grandma from 13 generations ago. 
Now, now I'm, I'm, I'm poking fun a little bit. I believe in inner healing. I believe in deliverance. I believe in generational curses. But I think sometimes we just need an encounter with God. Because there, there really is no answer. It's just a whole lot of speculation. You'll find people who are demon hunters always trying to find an issue for your problems. And sometimes it's just that you're going through some stuff. And you need an encounter with God, not to shift your situation, but to shift your identity. Not to shift what's happening around you, but to shift your perspective on what's happening. And God, uh, God's approach somehow missed all of this religiosity. It missed all of these, these placating thoughts. God saw beyond the unbelief and struggles of Gideon's heart. God saw deep within and God's intention was to inspire that potential to rise up and become the dominating aspect in Gideon's heart. What was God's response? Gideon, I'm with you. And by the way, you're a brave warrior. Here's the man cowardly inside a wine press, treading out his wheat so that the enemy doesn't steal it. And I think sometimes that's what we do is we take our little promises that are actually big promises if we have the right perspective. We take these little promises and we hide away in our wine press and we tread them out. Well, someday God might rescue me from this. The Lord is good and worthy to be praised. What a contradiction. He's sitting in a wine press full of fear of attack. And so Gideon looks around to see who he's talking to. And the words come again. The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Gideon's still wondering who's there, and so God again speaks, but there's something about these words. There is some power in them. There is something driving the words beyond his head and into his heart. Something about the words that is beginning to create a picture for him in a different future, and something begins to take heart. Something begins to take root. It's like what Romans 14, 7 says, God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Something in God's words to Gideon begin to impart life. He is in a dead place. He's in a wine press hidden away. He is distraught. He is disappointed. He is defeated. He has all sorts of things happening around him. And he's just trying to hold on. How many of us have ever been there? Or maybe you're there this morning. You're just trying to hold on. You're just in your little bit of wheat. You're just getting the wheat ready to make a little bit of bread. It's like the woman who, who was out gathering sticks and the prophet comes by and she says, oh, I'm just getting ready to make my last meal. And the prophet comes by and he says, go make the meal. I'll eat it because I can guarantee you that God's going to do something on your behalf. And he imparts not just a moment, but he, he, he imparts a, a destiny changing moment. And some of us need that this morning. We need God to step in and say to us in our wine press, to say to us in our gathering of sticks, hey, you're a mighty warrior. To give us that perspective, to change our life in a moment because we so often get so stuck in the situation. And what God has done is that He's brought life-giving words to Gideon and what on the immediate surface of Gideon's heart never existed a few minutes before, now Gideon begins to see things differently. Because God has spoken to his inner potential. God has changed the picture that Gideon has of himself. The potential to be a brave, great warrior that was virtually lost to Gideon suddenly starts to live in his heart. 
God had called into being that which did not exist. And suddenly, Gideon begins to look at the world differently because the picture he has of himself has suddenly changed. The amplifier was turned on. The sound began to get real. And he's so charged with the Spirit of God that Gideon's perceptions, his hopes, his aspirations instantly change. Some of you need a moment like this this morning where you can actually begin to believe God again. And immediately, Gideon's faith has not only been quickened and a new anticipation created, but he is given the second great key to faith, which is vision. Now, instead of seeing failure, Gideon has had his perceptions challenged. See, last week I talked about faith extenders. That's the first step is that you need a moment with God. But when you have that moment with God, you need vision. For your faith to be reignited, you need vision for your life. I think so many times we get so stuck in the day-to-day wine press that we don't see beyond tomorrow. Now the Bible says don't worry about tomorrow, it has enough worries of itself. But the Bible also says that without vision, a people perish. And the question is, what is the vision God has for your life? Gideon's vision at this moment in time was treading out wheat in a wine press. It's going to make my little bread and I'm going to go home and die because I can't grow my crops. And then it's quickened. Suddenly his mind begins to see a different destiny, a different hope, a renewed possibility. Suddenly his mind is active with the possibility of the call of God. He begins to anticipate something different for his life. Begins to confess, wow, God is with me. I'm a brave man. And what's more, I'm a great warrior for him. And his imagination gains full vision. Before long, Gideon steps right into what only a short time before was absolutely an implausible thought. That's why I love this verse, 2 Corinthians 10.5. We are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I can't, I, I can't tell you the warfare I was going through on the front row this morning. As I'm worshiping, every thought of the enemy started to just like permeate my mind. Oh, you're going to shut down the church. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. You're going to get COVID and die. I mean, I'm, I'm not joking. All the thoughts that were permeating and the warfare that was on the front row this morning as I was beginning to worship and I began to say, God, I know what I'm preaching on this morning. And right now I feel like I'm in the wine press. I feel like I'm alone here. And God began to say, just preach. Just get up and preach the word and I'll preach to you. Because that's what we do is God wants to use your imagination. Some of you have some wild, vivid imaginations. I can guarantee you. But what would happen if God captured your imagination? What would happen if you began to think with the mind of Christ? If you begin to dream God's dreams? If you begin to believe what God says about you? If you begin to believe what God says about your finances? If you begin to believe what God says about your health? The turnaround that would begin to happen is I begin to stand there and I begin to confess. No, God has said this church will grow. God has said I will live a long life. I might die as a martyr at 84 because that's what God spoke to me years ago. But I'm going to live till 84 even if I am shot down in martyrdom. I began to confess those promises that God had spoken to me, those faith extenders. I began to rehearse the prophetic words that have been spoken over this house. This will be a house of plenty and not a house of lack. This will be a house that there is no room to contain the move of God. 
It's been prophesied over this church that there would come a day where people would drive from hours to come experience the move of God. Are we there yet? No. But it's a faith extender to me. When half the church is gone this morning, I can say there will be a day where we won't fit in this building. Because I begin to fight against and tear down those imaginations, those vain... I begin to take those thoughts captive because warfare is not what happens out there. It's what happens in here. All the things happening around you. See, see, I, I, I'll be honest. I have a, a melancholy personality. I, I can lean towards the pessimist and not the optimist. Someone can say that's a glass half full and I can say it has a crack. <laughs> Just be real this morning. And I have to retrain my thinking. I have to fight against those thoughts. And I have to regain faith. Because every time we begin to confess the plan of the enemy, we start to lose faith that God could bring it to pass. Every time we get focused on what the Midianites are doing, what the Amalekites are doing, what the Cellulites are doing, we begin to lose faith. And so we've got to begin to confess what the Word says. Some of you missed that joke. went right over your head. That's okay. God wants to use your imagination to inspire your meditation. God recognizes the incredible drive that can come from a vision that fills the minds and heart of a person because as we fill our minds with the visions of God, we will anticipate that coming about and that anticipation can only create deeper faith and eventual birthing of the vision that has filled the mind. And so it is that God wants us to preserve that part of our mind that can imagine, visualize, dream, and create vision to be kept for Him. When I dream with God, when I vision with God, when I begin to take those thoughts captive, there's a partnership between our natural minds and the mind of Christ where God will bring a joint venture between our mind and His mind. And all of a sudden, we begin to think differently. We begin to retrain our process. Here's one of the most challenging verses in the New Testament. It's on the front of your, your worship guide this morning. Philippians 4.8 Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. How many of you struggle with that? How many of you have a, have a case of worst case scenarios that invade your brain? I battle that sometimes. A lot of times. And I have to fight against that. I'm just being transparent this morning. But this is one of the struggles I've been in in this season is that the enemy wants to invade my thoughts and convince me opposite of the promise of God. But I begin to think, whatever's true, this lie of the enemy isn't true. I fight against that thought. I will live and not die. The church will grow. Whatever the thought is, I begin to confess Philippians 4.8 over myself. Whatever is honorable. When I think a negative thought about someone, that's not honorable. I need to change my thinking. Whatever is right. Oh, maybe if I do this. No, that's not right. So I'm not going to go that way. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute. If there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise. So I begin to retrain my thinking and I begin to fight against those thoughts and I begin to confess the word of God over myself and I begin to get my face in the book and I begin to say, God, you did for this person and you did for that person and the same, you're not a respecter of persons and you are the God who heals me and I begin to confess these words and I let my mind dwell. Because there's an important principle to understand. If we went back to 2 Corinthians 10.5, preceded by this statement, for though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. I can't war in the flesh because my war is not with the flesh, but my weapons are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful. I love that phrasing for the destruction of fortresses. The enemy wants to take up residence in your mind and build a fortress and have residence there. But I have the mind of Christ and I war with divinely powerful weapons that are for the destruction of those fortresses. There's a scripture in Zechariah. It says, return to the, to the, to the stronghold of hope. When I begin to get hopeless, I've got to destroy that fortress. I've got to tear it down and return to the stronghold of hope. You prisoners who have hope. I'm a prisoner of hope. I am chained to hope. I don't have another option but not to hope and not to believe that though my day today is in a wine press and I'm treading out wheat, God has called me a valiant warrior and I can begin to war in the spirit and I can begin to tear down the fortresses and I can begin to believe God again and I can begin to regain my faith and then I can come out of my prayer closet and I can begin to walk in the faith that God gave me at the beginning because He's the author and He is the finisher of my faith. He who began a good work in me shall complete it to the very end. We've got to regain our faith. We've got to tear down these strongholds. We've got to believe what God says about us because there's a war going on. And he begins to define these fortresses in verse 5. He says they are speculations. They are lofty things raised up against the knowledge of God uncontrolled thoughts and imaginations that are not according to the will and the ways of God. They are thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. They seek to find a a precedence in your life. They seek to find a place to convince you you're not loved, to convince you that you're not good enough, to convince you that your promises will never come to pass. You'll never be loved. You'll never feel loved. All of those things come against your mind and you have to tear them down. They seek to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God that you individually possess. In other words, what in the past you've heard God say about you, the faith words toward you about your ministry, your vision, your family, your potential. Those thoughts, those imaginations, those words that constantly rise up in your mind to contradict the faith words. Where God in the past gave you knowledge about yourself that you've now lost and therefore you're defeated in this season. And so God brings these faith extenders to once again inspire your heart, to influence your mind, to recreate your dreams and visions, and encourage you to consider your true God-given potential to do great things for Him. To further illustrate Hebrews 11.1, Now faith is the certainty of things hoped for, and it is a proof of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of an expected end and the evidence of things that have yet to manifest. You know, there's this whole new age movement happening right now called manifesting. Have any of you heard of that? You get up every day and you begin to confess these thoughts and you begin to manifest things. It's a lower standard than faith. Because I don't need to manifest anything. God works on my behalf. God brings about my promises. All I need to do is get in faith and believe Him. Because I can guarantee you when they're manifesting their dreams, it's going to come with a nightmare. 
number of aspects to look at, and one of which faith is what is hoped for. The first dynamic of faith is what is hoped for, meaning future certainty. It means anticipation. It means expectation. It has the component of anticipation. Faith is a fervent expectancy on the inside. That which has yet to manifest will manifest. That has, which has yet to come to pass. My unsaved loved one, my healing, my breakthrough, whatever it is, faith is the engine by which we operate. It is the driving force. When I get faith from the Spirit of God, I have anticipation and expectation. But secondly, it's evidence of things not seen. Here's the issue. It is the evidence, the proof of existence. It says to me, that which does not uh, exist in this realm, exists in that realm, but it will manifest in this realm. To follow this through, we have faith for something, if you like, anticipation. But where is the evidence, especially when unseen by the natural eye? The evidence is in your faith. Faith is your evidence. The fact that you are not moved by what is happening around you, knowing that this will manifest. It will come to pass. The promises will come to pass. The answer lies in this. A photograph of something is considered to be evidence that exists, right? If we have a photograph of something, now understand, everything that has ever been constructed existed before it was built. This pulpit existed before it was built. This building existed before it was built. Where did it exist? It existed in the mind. It existed in the imagination of the person who created it. You existed in the mind of your creator before you ever took your first breath. He says, before I even formed you in the womb, I knew you. I was in relationship. That word knew is yada. I was already intimately connected with your purpose, your destiny, who you were. Before you ever grew fingernails, before you ever took your first breath, God was intimately acquainted with your purpose and your destiny. So you can't tell me you don't have purpose and destiny because God wrote it from the beginning. He already predetermined you would live on this earth and you would know Him. He has already predestined you to know Him. Now, not everyone takes advantage of that opportunity to know Him, but you are predestined from the beginning of creation to have an intimate relationship with your Creator. He already knew you. He already yachted you. He already was intimately acquainted. Everything made was, was started in the mind of the creator, the designer, the architect. Everything made first existed in the invisible realm of the imagination before it became visible in the tangible realm. And the evidence of its existed first in the mind. As a picture is formed in the mind, the thing takes shape. So to do the process, the methods, the steps to bring it out, begin to formulate in the mind. Before long, physical action is then applied to bring the creation to physical evidence. But understand, it is first found evident in the mind of the person's imagination. Faith starts in your thinking. It starts in how you think and what you think and what you speak because it starts here. And that's why we need the mind of Christ. So it is the pictures inspired by the Holy Spirit about your destiny are agitated by anticipation. Pearls are formed through great agitation, through irritation that came from a faith amplifier. And before long, you find yourself walking 
into the reality of the faith word God initially spoke to you. As I close this morning, God has given you and I powerful tools enabling faith to permeate our lives. It begins with a word, a picture, a revelation, one inspired by the Holy Spirit, creating a faith thrust in our lives. As we take it into our heart, meditate, picture it, let our imagination expand the word as the Holy Spirit brings inspiration. The anticipation creates momentum in our lives. Gideon had a word. You're a mighty warrior. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. His mind and his thinking is forever changed. Didn't start because his situation changed. He was still hiding in a wine press. Didn't start because his healing came. Didn't start because the breakthrough came. It didn't start because the Midianites were defeated in that moment. It started because he had a word. And no doubt began to look for fulfillment. It was soon to come and some of the greatest, greatest deliverances for Israel were experienced because God showed up in a wine press and Gideon changed his perspective. I want to let the Holy Spirit bring his faith as an amplifier to your heart this morning. No matter where you're at, no matter what your situation is in this moment, God can in an instant change everything because He changes the way you think. I think sometimes we stop short of promises because of how we think. God's never going to do that. And the enemy loves to capitalize on your thoughts. Stop believing God for your healing. You're just going to die. You'll get your healing in heaven. Yes, that's true. It's the perfect healing. Some of you need earthly healing. Some of you need earthly breakthrough in your family. You don't have to wait for heaven to get that. Heaven can come now. If you're here this morning, or you're watching by live stream, you've never given your heart to Jesus. It's the greatest decision a human being can ever make is to make Jesus Lord. I'm going to pray for you this morning. You've never repented of your sin. You've never surrendered your life to Christ. Just a moment, we're going to pray that prayer together. Maybe you're watching by live stream. If you are and you've never given your life to Christ, I want you just to type into the live stream, yes to Jesus. If you're here this morning, just a second, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. We're going to pray together. God is so rich in mercy. He can take us from our wine press. Jeremiah said it like this. He took me out of the miry clay. Set my feet on a rock. I could try and sing shout to the Lord this morning, but I'm not going to. That's you this morning. You've never made a decision for Christ. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, surrender my life to you. I repent of my sin. And I receive your forgiveness. I say yes to you. And I say no to sin. I receive your power. I receive your transformation. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Or visit www.equippingcenter.us.